we are heading into um, full, full speed ahead towards Christmas Day. And we started a series last week we're calling Honest Advent. And so we've centered it all around one verse, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And this book, Honest Advent, it's available if you'd like it. So the title came from a book by a guy named Scott Erickson, and it's a pretty cool book. It's, a, it's an Advent book you can read every day. It's got 21 read, or 25 readings, one for each day, all the way to Christmas in December. But he's, he's an artist first and a writer second. And so the book's pretty cool. There's some neat artwork in there. But we've taken our, we've taken, uh, our study in this Advent season from Isaiah chapter 9. So this verse is a beautiful verse, a really, really popular verse during the Christmas season. And it talks about this child that is going to be born hundreds of years before he actually comes. And so in this time when this, when this is being spoken, again, this is hundreds of years before Jesus ever made his debut as a person on the planet. And it was a, it's, a, it's a message of hope. It's a message that was meant to stir expectancy and, and, and hope in the people that were hearing it. Verse 6 of Isaiah 9, it says, To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government is going to be upon his shoulders. And he will be called four different things here. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, in Prince of Peace. And so last week we teed it up with the, really the first part of the verse that this was a gift. And so this is a gift that this is something that, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big piece of all of this. When we think about who doesn't want a mighty God? <laughs> who doesn't want an everlasting Father? Who doesn't want peace in their life? Uh, who doesn't want a wonderful counselor? Everybody wants that. And, and so the verse, I, I believe that that word gift is there because I think oftentimes we try to earn things from God. And so this is a gift that has been given. And this gift is, again, they're, they're describing the character of this child. Because I, I can't find one time where Jesus is referred to as Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, or Everlasting Father in the New Testament. Not once. And so this prophecy was not given the name. It's not given the name of this child, but it's given the contents of his character. What is he going to be like? Who, who, what is his personality going to be like? Like what type of person is this child going to be? Well, he's going to be a wonderful counselor. He's going to be a mighty God. He's going to be an everlasting father and a prince of peace. And they all kind of build on each other. And so our last series that we just came out of was called Wonderful Counselor. And so we spent four weeks on that one term. What does that mean to be a wonderful counselor? As Jesus asked a lot of questions in the New Testament, over 300. And so a counselor is somebody that's got wisdom, right? Like if, you, if you're signing up to go see a counselor, you're, you're trying to find some answers. You need some perspective. You need wisdom. And, and so I'm not going to spend a week on wonderful counselor because we spent four on that the last, you know, the last series. But I want you to see how the two connect. Because a wonderful counselor gives you wisdom. If you sit down with someone that, that has that gift, because I believe it is a gift, or if somebody in your life that's giving you wisdom, a coach or a, a dad, a mom, a mentor, and they're, and they're counseling you, they're helping you, they're asking questions, they're giving perspective. Just because they give you the wisdom you need or the answers that you need does not mean that they can execute that in your life. 
It's one thing to know how to do something. It's another thing to be able to actually do it. And so you see how these four terms connect. So Jesus, this child, was going to be a child that has answers. He was going to give wisdom. and I mean, that was one of the first things that we see in his life. We don't know anything about Jesus from like 1 to 30. We know he showed up at the temple as a child. His mom and dad lost him, right? And he was at the temple teaching when they showed up. He's teaching the class as a kid. And they're all sitting around listening to him, wondering how, where did this, where did he go to school? How does he know all this? Wonderful counselor. But the second piece, mighty God. Not only does he know the answers, not only can he give perspective and wisdom, but he has the power to execute it. He has the might, he has the strength. That word mighty God, it's, it's, it's one Hebrew word. It's used a little over 20 times in the Old Testament, but it's, it's, it acts, I want to just read it to you. It, it means to be a, 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 a hero, strong, powerful, a champion. And so not only can this, is this child going to have answers, but he's going to be able to execute on what he says he's going to do, that he's a mighty God. And I love this, I think, for just a few reasons, but... but Imagine doing some of the, the work I do, I find it, it's pretty difficult. <laughs> you know, I mean, when getting ready for these sermons, a lot of, sometimes I will write them week to week. You know, I will just, and so I wrote Mighty God down in my journal, and that's where I started, okay? You know, so, and, so, and then I, you know, and I, and I wrote Wonderful Counselor, the last series, and then, you know, Everlasting Father, and then I've got Prince of Peace, and, and so that it, it's hard, you know, w- w- how do you describe a powerful, mighty God. I mean, there's so much. Like, how, how do you take th- that word, mighty God, this hero, this champion, this, and, and put it into a 30-minute talk? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I started with a blank sheet of paper, and this is what I came up with. So I, 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 heard, I heard a story about air traffic controllers. We have some pilots in here. We have several pilots in here in military and, and active duty. And I heard that, that when an air traffic controller sits down, so, so I didn't know this, but there's like five to 10,000 planes in the air all at once. Isn't that wild? So there's a lot going on. And so when an air traffic controller, that's the person that, that's telling you know, where these planes can go and not go, and get, you know, they're in the, the ear of all the pilots. When they sit down, they, they, before they, they don't just hand off the shift like it's a baton, you know what I mean? Like they're just running, it's, all right, see ya, you know, like, like, like it, it, they call it getting the picture. So they sit down and they look at the screen and they look at where the planes are and which ones they're responsible for and what's going on. And so there's a trend, there's this getting the picture process to where they can look at the thousands of planes that are in the air. And, and, and so when we look at this, this term, mighty God, what I want to try to do for just a few minutes is to get the picture of what, what does that mean? What is the scope? We, there's, we could spend a year on that, on the power and the might of God. But, but let's sit down and let's try to get, get the picture. Let's look at, you know, we can't cover everything, but we can see what's there right in front of us. And one of the first things that I learned, I, didn't, I don't have a lot of Bible college experience, but the one thing that I do remember was they talked about the God of the omnipredicates. And that's a big term there. And if you like, you know, so a lot of times people ask, I want to go, let's get more spiritual. You may, you know, let's get more spiritual. Here we go. We'll get super deep and theological here. Omnipredicates, the God of the omnipredicates. And there was three 
things that this God could do. He was, he was omniscient. That means he knew everything. He was omnipresent. That means he was everywhere at, at all times. And he was omnipotent. That he, it means he had all the power of the universe. He's, 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 he's powerful. And so that's really what I want to I frame this mighty God up with. is those three things. Is, is, is when, when, they're, when, they're, when, when the, the writer was speaking of, of who this child would be, and they used this phrase, mighty God, basically the writer was saying that this child would encapsulate God. He would be God. And in the Gospels, that's really what we're, what we're seeing. And I'm finding in the Bible, anywhere you go, if you read Genesis, it points to Jesus. If you read Revelation, it points back to Jesus. That everything from Genesis to Revelation, all the books have one common theme in them. They point forwards and backwards to Jesus. In the Gospel of John particularly, you know, they, each Gospel has this theme. And the harmony of the Gospels, they all fit together. But John's, I think, big theme was that this child that was born was no ordinary child. And we get the seven I am statements out of the book of John. And each one of those statements was Jesus basically standing up and saying, Hey, I am God. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm, I'm the door. Nobody comes to God the Father except they come through me. Things like I'm the good shepherd, right? My sheep know my voice, they follow me. Every statement that he makes was him in a way saying, I'm, I'm God. I'm, I'm the one you've been looking for. And that's a foreign idea to someone who's, who has nothing but Old Testament precepts in their mind and so Jesus shows up and not only does he show up as a baby in a manger but as he grows we see this God of the omnipredicates in his life we see that the first thing that that this this omniscience that basically means all knowing that he would interact with people and they knew that he was different than every other person just the miracles in the gospel of John we went through those with the wonderful counselor and they build on each other and there's that one miracle in particular that we talked about where there was the man at the pool of bethesda and that he'd been there 38 years well jesus walked up and he knew that jesus died at 33 <laughs> and so how could he have seen this man and known this man for that long because he wasn't an ordinary man he was god and even though when he was here in the flesh he was in one place at one time Everyone around him seen that the, the, the divinity in his life, that this was just not an ordinary child. And, and so, so this omniscience of God, it, it means that he knows everything. So how, you know, how, he's a know-it-all, okay? Right? Have you ever met any know-it-alls in here? Asa, as he, he, you know, I have a, a son, he's five, and he, he begins, he's growing now. And so I'm asking, we're asking him questions. We're working on his words and letters and all that stuff. And I'll ask him, you know, I'll give him a, a word and, and ask him to spell it. And he'll spell it. And I'm like, how, how did you learn that? He said, I just knew it. I just knew it. I said, how did you just know it? He's like, oh, just, just, I just knew it. God gave it to me. You know, like, like he's just got this incarnation knowledge that he just, he just knows it. And so now, now he's given some credit to his teacher. Uh, but, but in the beginning days, he, you know, I just, I just knew it. I just know everything. And and, and how cool would that be, right? That, that God's knowledge is intuitive. Nobody taught God. God didn't go to school. 
You know, he didn't go to college. God didn't, God didn't read a bunch of books to get smart. And his knowledge is so intuitive. You know, Jesus said, in, I, think, I believe it's Matthew 10, that he has the, no, the hairs of every person's head in here numbered. Now, some of you, that's more than others, right? <laughs> and so does he, God go around and count hair every day? No. He just knows it. It's intuition. We have glimpses of that in our life sometimes. There's nobody that I know that has that more than my wife. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not saying that in a bad way. She's just got this intuition. I think, I think women have, it's like a sixth sense, right? You know what I'm talking about. You can meet some stranger and you know you don't need to, you don't need to connect with that person. Caitlin can kind of, there's just, when she knows, she knows. And I don't know how she knows it, but she knows it. It's intuition. That's, that's the, the knowledge that God has is intuitive. Nobody taught him. He doesn't have to count hairs to make sure he's got the right count on you today. It's intuitive knowledge. And I think with us as, 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 as human beings, we don't do that. We don't have that. We learn. We go to school and, and we find, I'm finding that the more that I learn, the more I realize that I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and the smartest people and my, the ones that I respect the most, as they learn, it just, it just really, it, it drives home the fact that there's so much that we don't know. And there's so much out there. The more I study the Bible, I'm finding there's so much that I don't know. That, that is, I heard a guy refer to it one time as it's the, true, it's the true magic book. It changes. It can be something different every time you read it. You could read the story of the prodigal son, and at one time in that story, you might be the prodigal son, lost and broken. You might read that story again in 25 years, and you're the father at home with a prodigal son. You might read that story one time and you're the elder brother mad because the other brother came home, right? And so as we, as we read and study scripture, we're learning more and we know, we, we, we realize that we know less than, than, than we think we do. But with God, he's got it all. Isaiah 40, look at this. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him, showed him the path of understanding? God just knows. And that's comforting to me. And sometimes it can be a scary thing and it can be a comforting thing at the same time. That there's no secrets with God. And you might have some secrets in your life. And you might have some things that you need to carry or feel like you have to carry with you to the grave. But God knows. God sees. And when you feel lonely or when you feel there's nobody on the planet that knows or sees or feels what you're experiencing, you have a God that knows and sees and feels what you're experiencing. So much so that he left heaven to come down and put on this body of flesh so that he could really feel what you feel. That he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's a kinsman redeemer. That means he's walked in this crankety old body. He's put on flesh. He knows what it's like to have a headache. He knows what it's like to have a heartache. He knows what it's like to lose. He knows what it's like to grieve. And he knows. And so maybe this morning you needed to be reminded of that. That God, God knows. There's nothing that he doesn't see. Proverbs 15, verse 3, God doesn't miss a thing. He's alert 
to everything. Dr. Lee said it like this, Matthew 10, where Jesus is talking about how God's numbered the hairs of every person's head, and he sees a sparrow fall to the ground. Old Baptist preacher said that, that God's the only person that attends the funeral of a sparrow. That's how much he knows. And if he cares that much about nature, and he cares that much about his creation outside, how much more does he care about you made in his image? He knows. Heard a story about a, an, uh, an older gentleman, a grandfather, great-grandfather, and he's, he lost his hearing. And so he went to the doctor, and they, get, they had this breakthrough new device so that he could get his hearing back. And so he got his hearing back later in life, <clears throat> and he goes back to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, how is your family enjoying it now that you can finally hear? And he tells him, I haven't told him yet. The doctor said, what? You haven't told him? He says, no, I haven't told him. I, I just listened. He said, I changed my will three times already. <laughs> Anyways, God knows. Whether you realize it or not, he knows. He, he's listening. Omniscient. There's nothing God does not know. If I could put it in one sentence, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing God does not know. As we break through into new sciences, as we break through into quantum physics and quantum mechanics, I, I believe the Bible encourages that. It encourages science. It encourages medical breakthroughs. It encourages research and development because there's so much out there we don't know. It doesn't end and begin with the knowledge of man and what we know and what we've come to find up to this point in history. There's more out there. And as we uncover it, and as we find it, and as we discover it, we're going to find that God is there. Omnipresent. That's the second one. So God knows everything. But then the second piece, this is hard to understand for, for me, that God is everywhere at all times. It just means, omni means all, present means present. He's all present. David said it like this in, in Psalm 139. If you wanted to write that down, read that psalm later. That psalm has all three aspects of God described in that psalm. David writes about the omnipresence of God. He writes about uh, the omniscience of God, the omnipotence of God in that one psalm. But this is what he says about the, the, the omnipresence of God. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle so far, side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness, come on somebody, will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. It's incredible. David writes of this God that transcends time and space. David writes of this God, if we could, you know, back to the future, love that movie. If we could come up with a, if you had a DeLorean that could take you back to 1920, guess who would be there? God. And if somebody figures out how to go forward or backwards in space, I don't know. I know people are working on it. If they, if they figure it out, if you, if you figured it out, let me know. I would love to know that. If you can get in that car and go forward 100 years, guess who's going to be there? 
God. Jonathan Edwards described the, 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 um, the omniscience of God, the all-knowing of God, that time, as like time and space is just a timeline. And God sees it. He sees where the earth is heading. And he's kind of, he's, 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 but he's back and he's looking from this place that we know as eternity. That's not limited to time and space. And he sees all these things happening. He knows all these things happening. And he knows them before they happen. Now that's hard for me sometimes because why doesn't he stop them? When Jonathan Edwards was talking about this, how, how God sees history as a timeline, he described it like the sun rising in the mornings. We know the sun's going to rise at about, what, 5.50 in the morning? 6 o'clock in the morning is first light. Well, just because we have the foreknowledge of it doesn't mean that we cause it. And God is the same way. God knows everything. God knows what's happening in the world right now. He sees every tear. He sees every pain. He sees every orphan. He sees every child that's hurting. He sees every person that's broken. Doesn't mean he causes that. But he sees it. And he's present. That's the other part. I know God knows, but is he there? And why doesn't he do something about it? Right? If God is present in this, why, why doesn't he do something about it? And I'm finding that there's things in life that God doesn't take from us because they're there to help us grow. That Paul talked about this thorn in his flesh where he prayed, God, take this from me. If you're present with me, take this from me. And God said, no, that's, that's actually working for your benefit. And it's good to know at times, I don't know about you, but it's good to know when we're going through things that we don't understand and we don't have the answers for, that we have a God who is present just as much in the valley as he is on the mountaintop. And sometimes we don't get all the answers and sometimes that things just don't make sense. But when I know that God is present with me, and then here's the other piece and we're going to keep moving, is when I, when I find myself in a place that I don't feel like God could ever be in this room. If I find myself in a place where I feel like God would never be here, when I'm walking through a situation that's dark, when I'm walking through a situation that's, that's just got more brokenness than it has blessing in it, I'm seeing it's in these valleys, it's in these moments of life where God speaks the loudest. And we pray for God to reveal himself to us, and we want God to show himself to us. But I'm seeing that sometimes we've got to walk through places that's dark. Mother Teresa writes about this. You would think that if anybody knew the presence of God, it was Mother Teresa, right? I mean, she gave everything to the ministry. It's amazing what she was able to do. But in her journals after she passed, she wrote about this dark night of the soul, is what she called it. And it was years years where she was working in an orphanage in Calcutta and said I did not feel the presence of God one time and I thought man that's that's pretty incredible <laughs> but she said it was her faith it was her knowledge in the word that kept her going and so I know this isn't for everybody but maybe maybe you felt like you've been in a dark night of the soul right Maybe you felt like that you're walking through a situation that, that God is not present in. But I want to encourage you that he's there. And I think part of the way that our faith grows 
is that it's like with these children, it's amazing that when they're first born, you can't, they can't leave your side. They need everything from mom. That baby is, touching, is, is with you 24-7. But as the child grows, there's a little more distance. And you hope that the investment you made in the child will keep them as they grow away from you and as they begin to make their own decisions. And so mom and dad aren't maybe as present with the one-month-old as they are with the 25-year-old. I think life is the same way. That God, you know, when, I remember when I first became a Christian, I felt like everywhere I went, I just, God was there, right? I mean, I went to Hardee's and had, had, had a biscuit with God this morning. And, and, and you know, and I, I, I mean, I just felt like God was all over me all the time. Like, just lots of things were happening. And then I'm, I'm, and I'm noticing, and I'm just being honest with you. I mean, I, and I'm a preacher, right? You think, well, you hear from God all the time. I don't feel that way. You know, I don't. And I, and I think sometimes you just got to go off of the last thing God said to you. Some people hear from the Lord every morning, and I'm glad that they do. But then sometimes I've gone through seasons and stretches of life where it felt like I was by myself. It felt like I was going through this on, on my own, but, but then something would happen. And it would be a, anything, a small thing, a reminder that God is with you. Sitting with a family that was grieving through one of the worst tragedies I've ever seen in my life. And God's way of comforting the, the daughter who had just lost her brother and father was a butterfly. And she'd go sit on the front porch every morning. And this butterfly would just sit right in front of her. And she believed that was, that was God's way of letting her know that her, you know, and she felt so alone. And she felt, I mean, if you've walked through that, you know how, you know, grief is so real. It just fills the room. You can't see anything else or feel anything else. And then that happens. Is it coincidence? Or is it God's way of breaking through and letting you know that he's with you? I have to believe it's the second. That right in the nick of time, it could be a text. It could be a call. It, whatever it might have been, it's, it's God's way. Now, I, I can't say that I, I hear from the Lord every single morning and I wish that I could. But he's with you. He's present. And there's not a place or a room that you'll walk through where he's not going to be present. You may walk through a place in a room where nobody else is there and your friends aren't there and your family isn't there. But he's with you. He's with you. There's nowhere that God is not present. And I'm seeing now that he, you know, when, when Jesus was alive for the 33 years he was here, it seemed like he went to the people that were hurting the most. And I, I think that's a theme, y'all. I, I really do. I think that there's times in our life where we go through stuff, but it's those moments where God just breaks through. And he shows us how his nearness, and he shows us his power, and he shows us his strength. And nobody prays for that stuff, and nobody wants to go through that stuff. But, but man, suffering is where greatness is grown. And, and, and suffering is where we really, truly know that God is present. It's why I think David put it in Psalm 23. Though, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear because I know who's with me. He's present. I want to remind you of that. God is present with you. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've gone through up to this point in your life, and you may feel like God's a million miles from, from your home, 
and what you're facing and you but he's not the third thing the last thing god is omniscient he's omnipresent he's with us but then he's omnipotent he's he's all powerful now this is the good part and this is this is where we wanted to get that that god doesn't have to go anywhere to find strength we are created beings, right? We, we are created, and, and what we were created from, from is where we go back to get strength. Our bodies came from the ground, so we got to eat food that comes from the ground. Our bodies came from the ground, so we drink water that comes from the ground. Our soul and spirit came from God, and so we go back to God to renew our soul and our spirit. But God doesn't have to go anywhere. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Imagine never getting tired. Imagine never getting hungry, right? I mean, that, that God is this powerhouse all in himself. It's hard for me to even understand, but he's all-powerful. Psalm 62, verse 11. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, that power belongs to God. When the announcement was made that Jesus was going to be born and, and John the Baptist was on the way and, and the parents were confused, they were dumbfounded, they didn't know how that was going to happen, Luke chapter 1, verse 37, the angel reminded them that God can do all things. And you need a God who can do all things kind of God. That's the kind of God that you need. See, we like to put God in, this, in a box. We like idols because we can control them. Like we like the God who doesn't know everything about us. We like the God who doesn't know our thoughts or know where we've been or what we've done. We like the God that maybe is distant. But this God knows everything about us, has seen us our whole life, but can step in and has the power to transform everything in a moment. Not only does he have the answers, not only is he, is he our wonderful counselor, but this other piece of God that we see here is that he has the power to perform. He can do things that nobody else can do. I just want to remind you that because I feel like we're in a world that tries to, tries to just like put God in a box all the time and limit what God can do. But I just want to encourage you that there's nothing impossible with God. And what's impossible with man is possible with God. And I'm not just trying to hype it up and I'm not just trying to because uh, I know that there are times in our life where we don't always get what we want. And there's times in our life where we pray and ask God to do things and maybe it doesn't happen but I don't want you to lose the sight of this God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Nothing is impossible with him. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who's not limited? Aren't you glad that we serve a God who, who, who's able to, to step in and, and who's able to actually do something about the situation even when it seems completely impossible on the outside. Well, that's great, Pastor. Well, I feel tired right now. <laughs> I'm glad God knows everything. I'm glad God is everywhere at all times, but I'm right here, and I don't know much, and I'm tired. And we're going to pray. I want us to read this last verse. This is what I believe that God wants to... I just want you to soak this in. I want to read it over you. Isaiah 40. How does this strength come to us? If God is all-powerful and I serve him, I belong to him, then why do I feel exhausted? 
Let me read this to you. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Why would you ever complain, Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired. Gives fresh strength to the dropouts. Anybody need some fresh strength this morning? For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God, they get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. Now, what does that word wait mean? They that wait. I think it means that we get to the point where we stop trying to do things in our own strength and we say, you know what, God? I'm going to try it your way. My way is run out. And I think when we try to do things in our, in our own strength and in, and in our own abilities, we'll get tired. I think one of the biggest lies I've ever heard when it comes to church and serving God is that God will never give you more than you can handle. That's not true. Sometimes God will give you a little more than you can handle because he wants you to ask him for help. That word wait is, is just, it's, it's, it's trusting in faith. It's trusting in expectancy. That's what that means. It's, it's, it's I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. On, I, I'm not where I want to be. I'm, I'm in the journey still. Nothing's happened on the outside. The situation hasn't changed, but I'm waiting on God. I'm trusting in his strength. I heard a story about a, a, a father and son, and they were out walking, and the dad told the son to go pick up this really heavy rock that was on the path in front of him. And so the son went down there, and he tried to pick it up, and he couldn't do it. And he looked back at his dad and he said, There's, I can't pick this rock up. And his dad said, son, try again. You can do it. And so he gets down there and then he, you know, he gets down and he tries again. He's using his back now, right? He's doing everything he can to lift this big rock in the way. And he looks back at, at his dad and says, dad, there's, there's no way. His dad said, well, use all your strength, every bit of it. So he tries a third time. <laughs> he gets down there and he just can't seem to lift this rock. Now the son's discouraged. Now the son wants to give up. He looks back at dad. He says, I, I can't do it. And his dad said, listen, son, when I told you to use all your strength, that includes mine. Just ask me. And I'll help you. And sometimes we get faced with things in life that are like a big rock and we can't move. And we've tried, and we've tried, and we've tried, and we've tried. And I think what this season of Advent reminds us is that there's a waiting period sometimes. But that God is good on his word. And he's going to show up. And there's some rocks in life that you have not been called to, to carry on your own. 
And you can try and you can try and you can try and you can try, but there's a God that has all power and strength in his hands. And sometimes it's just inviting him into what you're facing, where we see that power in our life really come alive. And so just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes, and that's what I I want us to do that together. And maybe you're not carrying anything heavy this morning, and that's okay. Save this one for another day. But maybe you came in here and you feel like there's a rock on your shoulders that you've been trying to carry and live for a long time, and you're feeling it now more than you've ever felt it before. That life feels heavy. This season, even the Christmas season, can feel heavy. So this is what I want us to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're, Lord, we're just going to wait in faith on you. You said they that wait on the Lord will get fresh strength. And so just in your mind, just, just in your own way, I want you to give that, whatever that rock is to God. If it's a, if it's a, a diagnosis in your life, maybe nobody knows about it yet, and you've been carrying it and it's heavy, give it to God. If it's a, a broken relationship that has you feeling so low, and so drained invite God into that relationship to help maybe it's a financial load and and it's everybody's buying gifts right now and and, and you don't know how you're going to do it invite God's strength and power into your life Ask for his wisdom. Ask for his help. So, Lord, we come to you and we, we know in our own strength we can only go so far. But we ask for a fresh outpouring, God. Every person, that God, that open hearts in this place this morning, that you would just pour your strength, God, and your encouragement into the hearts of your people. To the person in here that's carrying a heavy load and has felt like dropping it. God, I just pray for renewed strength and joy. Not just strength, but that the joy of the Lord would just fill our hearts, our soul. God, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you know everything, that there's nothing hidden from you. And we thank you that all power is in your hands, that there's nothing that you cannot do. And so, Lord, we just give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.